On this episode of Waterflying, we are in Cavanaugh Bay, Idaho at the Tanglefoot Splash Inn. You are listening to Waterflying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the waterflying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to Waterflying. I am so excited because we are here in Cavanaugh Bay, Idaho, and we just finished up with the Tanglefoot Splash In. Joining me today are Jack Jacobson and Amy Finnick, who organized this event, one of the many organizers of the event, and uh, I am endlessly thankful for because uh, I just had the time of my life and it wouldn't have been possible without their work. So Jack, welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Steve, and thank you for coming. And I can tell by the smile on your face you had a good time this weekend. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate you flying across the country and joining us. Uh, we've been holding this event for some 10 years now, and uh, this is our sixth time. When I say holding it for 10 years, I mean we've attempted to hold it for 10 years, and we've made it six consecutive times now. Uh, sometimes we've been canceled because of smoke, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, because of COVID, a couple of years. And a little bit couple of little hiccups along the way, a couple little speed hiccups bumps. along the way. But uh, this has uh, been our biggest event so far uh, for Tanglefoot uh, Splash In. Uh, we had uh, up to probably 130 people for dinner one night and in excess of 30 airplanes. So it was uh, just a smashing success for us. And the weather cooperated and we had such a great time. It was. And I tell you, it's been on my bucket list for a while now. And due to scheduling conflicts, I couldn't come. And uh, as both of you know, I had a couple of conversations with you. I'm, I think I'm coming. I'm not coming. I think I'm coming. We're getting ready for air venture. It's really hard. And I am so glad I came. So, uh, Amy, uh, I want to welcome you to the show as well and appreciate your hospitality and all your organizational skills. Oh, thank you, Stephen. We're really happy you could make it here. And, you know, we've we've been anticipating your arrival and your visit. And, <laughs> You know, despite the fact that you weren't able to bring your airplane. Yes, that was, I did get to fly a Super Cub yesterday, so. That's okay. Well, we are so glad that you're here and we couldn't be more excited to have you. Oh, thank you. So this is, this is pretty cool. So um, we need to really kind of set the stage for people that weren't as fortunate as us to be uh, at the Splash Inn and maybe have never been to Priest Lake, Idaho. Uh, Let, let's just describe this a little bit um, and and describe the setting because it is truly one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. What makes this setting unique, Steve, is that uh, the lake is not near a major city, so it's fairly rural. Like an hour and 45 minutes from Spokane, yes. which is like the, the closest developed metropolis, if you right. will. Right, and it's probably 45 minutes from the town that's immediate south of here, which is Priest River. At 1,700 people. Yes. <laughs> Just, I think we need to really paint that. The nearest town, which has 1,700 people, is a solid 45-minute drive. It's a 20-mile-long lake that's nestled in between a couple of mountain ranges. It's uh, about 2,400 uh, feet above sea level. 
So a little bit of density altitude issues on water. A little bit of density altitude at times during the summer. Uh, The lake is so clean you can drink out of it. Um, It's just a year-round paradise, and it's uh, been called Idaho's crown jewel Mm -hmm. ever since I've been coming here uh, for decades. Um, There's actually two lakes here. There's an upper lake and a lower lake. The upper lake is only 14 miles from the Canadian border, and it's uh, heavily uh, wilderness, and there's no homes on the upper lake at all. It's just a, a wonderful place to fly. It's not that far from Sandpoint, Idaho. That's a hop, mm-hmm. skip, and a jump across uh, the range here. And They make uh, a little airplane there. That's They make a little airplane there called a Kodiak, <laughs> if you haven't heard of that. And uh, that's a good place to get fuel if you're on amphibs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a seaplane operator there on the river as well. There is a seaplane operator. So on the great river. seaplane culture here, uh, which is great. And as you said, the, the lake is 19 miles long. It's simply beautiful uh, and covered with white sandy beaches. There's like seven islands uh, within uh, the lake, and it's in a bowl of mountains. Uh, and it's just, again, absolutely beautiful. It's uh, in the Selkirk range of mountains, uh, and there's lots of beautiful peaks around here. And it's in the wintertime, it's just gorgeous with snow. Mm-hmm. And as you said, we're a snow, uh, uh, literally a stone's throw from the Canadian border. Yes. And if you're in the upper lake, you're, you're really close. You're very, very close. Very close. So uh, that's awesome. So who wants to take on talking a little bit about WSPA and their mission? Because WSPA is actually the facilitator and hosts uh, this splash in, which is... Uh, uh, pretty significant, and we've worked with WSPA for quite a bit. And for there are partners in all of this, and we get to work together a lot. So, Amy, you want to take that on? Absolutely. Yeah, our mission statement for the WSPA is um, we're we're aiming to protect and grow seaplane access to Washington waters, promote safe and responsible seaplane operations, to foster and promote communications among owners, operators, service providers, and the community, and to facilitate events like this, sharing in the joy Mm -hmm. of seaplane flying in Washington and the Pacific Northwest. Um, Our organization has four primary goals, and that is to keep our waters open, Mm -hmm. to operate safely and encourage others to do so as well, to share in the fun of seaplane flying and the challenge that comes along with it, and most importantly, have fun. Yes. Don't forget the most important part of all of this uh, besides being safe is to have fun. And, and you guys really have been leaders in this. And it's great to have an organization in the Northwest that has been so proactive. Uh, you guys were doing the Rusty Pilot uh, seminar earlier this year, and we were up in Alaska uh, working with the Alaska pilots to do the same. Uh, but also invasive species, you guys have led the way. Bruce Hines has done so much uh, helping with invasive species work, working on the videos, the safety videos that we've done. Um, I have to really give WSPA such a, a, a hats off for your efforts because you guys have been spectacular and, and a great partner in advocacy, and we need that. Well, thank you, Stephen. We really work hard to try to make sure there's a lot of collaboration both within our group and, and across groups, and the SPA has been extremely instrumental in helping shape our activities and, and our interests with regards to our impact on the community around us. Yeah, so thank uh, you. You guys have been great stewards of the, the community in that regard. So, Jack, um, why don't you describe a little bit, you know, I want the listeners to know a little bit about y- your backgrounds. So what got you involved in aviation? What's your backstory? And then how did you get involved in seaplanes? Because you're, you're pretty heavily involved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. 
Well, when I returned home from Vietnam in 1970, I uh, seemed to have a, uh, a little quest uh, for aviation, and um, I was stationed in San Francisco at the time, uh, close to the Alameda Naval Air Station. Oh, wow, and, uh, okay. I have a little uh, flying club there, and I uh, found a, an A-4 pilot that was a flight instructor, and uh, he taught me how to fly, and I flew in California for a couple of years until we moved to Seattle. And I flew there until probably about 1985, and then the, the children arrived, <laughs> and uh, that... Uh, like many of you, um, put a little bit of a kibosh on, on, <laughs> on flying at the time. And then about 16 years ago, I had a guy working for me that owned a 185 and on floats, on straight floats. And uh, he knew that I really, really enjoyed aviation. And he said, why don't you come along with me for a ride someday? So mm-hmm. I did that, and I was hooked. And <laughs> uh, so I studied at Kenmore for a couple of years uh, in the Super Cubs that Kenmore has. And I uh, got, uh, I guess, reasonably proficient. Charlie, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie. I got a lot of time in Charlie, Charlie. Zero, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie. Um, the yellow cub that's now a white cub. Yeah. Um, it doesn't so, look, by the way, it doesn't look right white. No, it doesn't. As an owner right. of a white and red super cub, I grew up with that kind of flying for 20 years at Kenmore. Is that being a yellow cub? And it just doesn't look, I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Sure. It does, <laughs> So anyways, I um, partnered with this guy that worked for me on the 185, and eventually he uh, retired uh, from uh, flying, and uh, I purchased the rest of uh, his interest, and so I've now owned this plane outright for probably 10 years, and I'd love to fly around the Northwest, and uh, we just recently built a home here at Priest Lake, and so I have the opportunity to fly over here and land uh, on a beach uh, and uh, it's just it's just a wonderful place to be. Yeah, can I can the view here and yes, take it home? You, you could can the view here. <laughs> the view from your house here is is simply amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank it's you. just overlooking the lake, and it's incredible. So uh, you're very fortunate. Uh, if you you know if you, if you ever want to come stay in the house in Florida, uh, you're more than welcome to uh, uh, because this is just simply beautiful. Uh, it's incredible. <laughs> I think my interest in seaplane flying uh, got me interested in being on the, the board of the Washington Seaplane Pilots Association, which has probably been about 10 years now. And I, I think so highly of our fellow board members because uh, of their involvement uh, and uh, the strength of our organization um, speaks volumes uh, about what we've been able to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, You've lifted way above your uh, weight, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think we we pride ourselves in putting on uh, uh, great quality events every year. You mentioned the rust remover that we just recently have, and of course mm-hmm. we have our Grander Hogs Banquet, uh, which in is Trevor every year, which uh, at the a must attend event. Uh, so uh, the Grounded Hogs event is uh, in conjunction with the Northwest Aviation Conference. It's held at the Boeing Museum of Flight. And if you go, you actually get access to the museum after hours and you overlook the SR-71 and everything else. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, great event. Yeah, it is a great <laughs> event. And I enjoy being with uh, my fellow board members, including Dr. Amy Fanick here. She's uh, just been such a huge resource and a huge contributor to our organization. So, Amy, I'm going to hand this to you. <laughs> so we can hear her so story. So we can hear your story. <laughs> oh, I thank you, Jack. Um, my story actually begins a lot later than yours did. <laughs> and I say that with so much appreciation for your history in seaplane flying and your history in aviation. Um, I only started 
So I grew up wanting to always fly airplanes. I wanted, I always wanted to do it. I wanted to learn, but I didn't have access to a community of pilots. Mm -hmm. And so I met a few pilots here and there throughout my undergrad and graduate school years, but none that had a passion for it. It was, you know, they were in aviation management or they were in, in mechanics, um, mechanics, um, it wasn't until 2015 when I met my husband, Stuart, uh, that I took my first lesson in a plane and it was a wheels plane, not a seaplane, but that was in Klamath Falls, Oregon. And that just in, ignited the fire for me to, to work really hard and get my private pilot license. Um, I didn't begin my private pilot pilot's license until 2016 when we moved to Sandpoint, Idaho. Um, we moved there for Stuart's job and I began consulting in the area and across the U S and when I was home on the weekends and you know, some of the days when I was working from home, I did a little bit more research on how I could, how I could accomplish this, this task of becoming a pilot. Well, um, as luck would have it on Lake Pondere, there is a seaplane operation. And Mm -hmm. at that time, Coeur d'Alene seaplanes was run by, um, a, a couple of partners who, um, they, they've served as my, my trainers and later, um, became, they, they sold the business, but, um, it was Glenn know, there, right? Yeah. Glenn, um, I know I can't, I can't I, right now remember his name, <laughs> but I remember Glenn yes. and, and the silver Piper. That's right. Yeah. It's the Piper PA 12. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It was Glenn Smith and Lisa. Glenn, yeah. Glenn yes, Smith. The two of them, they were just instrumental in, in igniting my interest in seaplane flying. And so much so that they, um, encouraged me to get my private pilot license on straight floats, which I did. And I currently still only have a private pilot on straight floats. So (laughs) she's one of the very few. And that's such a great part of the story. (laughs) It's such an interesting fact. And, and I didn't realize how rare that was, but now that I'm more involved in the seaplane operations and, and getting to, um, you know, work with the WSPA, I realized how very few pilots actually have done that. And so I appreciate it even more that I had that opportunity and that I had people who were um, able to take me on as a private pilot student in that, in that situation. Oh, that's great. Um, I began my journey with the WSPA and I, I have this great affinity for Jack Jacobson here. The reason for that is he's the one who inspired me to get involved Jack had been putting on this event at the seaplane base, which is owned by my in-laws, my father and mother-in-law, mm-hmm. Dr. Lowell and Olson Fennick. And Jack would run around making sure everything was perfect. You know, he speaks to the quality of the WSPA events, but he, what he doesn't always realize is that they're that high quality because of the work he puts in. Mm-hmm. And when I'm the type of person, when I see somebody with that kind of passion for for that level of exception, um, I, I had to, had to be a part of it. And so when he invited me to be a part of it, just, you know, by getting involved, by helping with membership and the website, it wasn't long before, um, I wanted to be a part of the board. And when I was invited to become a part of the board, that's when I, that's when I thought, okay, here we go. Let's, let's take this on. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, it's great. I mean, I think that there's such a synergy here and I think that's a whole nother discussion when we start talking about the event and the attendees is the quality of the attendees and the synergy and just the, the go-to spirit that exists at every level within the organization, with the people that, that attend the event. So Jack, uh, why don't you go into a little bit of the history of the splash in here? Because it's, 
it's got some history. I mean, it's been going on for 10 years or so. There's been some stop and go. But at 10 years, it's one of it's a mature uh, event. And I tell you, you would think that it's been going on for 40 or 50 years, the way the attendees attended and how well it's run. Mm-hmm. So it, describe a little bit about the history because it happens because of a unique facility that mm-hmm. is owned by Dr. Mm-hmm. Fennick mm-hmm. Uh, that he makes available as well. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ingredients that go into this. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're blessed with having uh, an environment that is pretty unique. Um, I know you mentioned to me, Steve, that there's a place in Maine that does the Greenville, yeah, sort of replicates this place. But there's not too many places in the United States that have this kind of setting. So, mm-hmm. you know, to think about having a fly-in here uh, again, this is a Washington Seaplane Pilots Association that's traveling to Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> and this is really not far across the border, but we are in Idaho. <laughs> But this is a, a very unique spot in the Northwest, and so it's it's hard not to have um, uh, the right uh, setting to do this in. Secondly, um, no uh, not distant from all of you is the fact that it takes a lot to put on these events yeah. and um, a lot of manpower, a lot of organization. It takes a lot of manpower, a lot a of organization <laughs> and a facility. And, um, it just doesn't happen without a lot of volunteer help. Mm-hmm. And so when we first uh, conceived of this idea of having a, a splash in here in, in Idaho, uh, we thought long and hard about it. And, um, we approached the Fennec family and asked if we could do it. And they looked us straight in the eye and said, as long as you're organized, <laughs> you can do it. So we've uh, always held that close to our, our vest and uh, been organized. And, uh, and like I say, we've been at this probably for 10 years. And out of that 10-year period of time, we've had some starts and stops because of COVID and weather and smoke. Uh, forest fires have been uh, a forest, big issue in, they in the have. past. The high pressure in the, in the summertime just uh, Send smoke down from our, our wonderful neighbors in Canada up north. And, uh, <laughs> That's it. We're blaming the Canadians. It's all your fault. Yeah, Stop it, importing your smoke. Actually, I'm Canadian, <laughs> so I guess I have a right to say that. Um, no. but, but it was happening later in the season, and that's yes. been one of the changes that I think really led to the success this year uh, was it was much earlier in the year and not kind of in the middle of fire season or at the later part of fire season. Yeah, we used to use to do this uh, event in September, and um, we, I think maybe it's global warming, maybe it's something else. We started to have more fire activity later in the summer, and so we moved it. And last year, uh, we moved it... Uh, a week earlier in the season, and this year we moved it a week later, and we think this is kind of the perfect time frame to have this event. We've got good temperatures. We have uh, less convective activity in the air. Uh, We've got the ability for people to travel from western Washington because they have to cross the Cascade Range to get here. Um, And this weekend was uh, just absolutely perfect weather. Yeah. So we have no complaints uh, about that. like I said, we started about 10 years ago. We've had six events now here, six splash-ins, and all, I think, have been a success. And as Amy spoke, uh, um, she put her hand in and uh, led uh, the group this year and did such a fantastic job. Um, her her organizational skills come through uh, in spades, and so I can't thank you enough, Amy, for what, <laughs> what you've done this year. Um, 
And it, it's nice to be able to hand this event off uh, over time to a younger generation, mm-hmm. which, which needs to happen. Yeah, so. I, I think we shouldn't fail to mention that, that, you know, in a, a world of pilots where, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, attrition just due to aging people, the pilot population aging out. Sure. Uh, and not having the ability either financially or health wise to fly anymore mm-hmm. or not physically being with us any longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the seaplane community is affected by that same age attrition. You know, mm-hmm. as a demographic, we're rather high mm-hmm. on the average age spectrum, uh, just like the, uh, the general population of pilots. But I think one of the things is neat is you guys have most of your board meetings in the Seattle area. And I think most of the, the members and, and the board kind of reside a lot more uh, location centric to Seattle than over here. What's the average distance that the participants are flying to get here? And they're flying over the Cascades to get to here as well. Yes, yes they are. <laughs> I'd say it's probably a good uh, 250 to 300 miles to get To come here. to the event. Yeah. Uh, and we have people from southern Washington. We had um, a, uh, a Widgeon, Grumman Widgeon mm-hmm. here this weekend from southern Idaho. Uh, it's actually um, a Horizon Air pilot and his family were here uh, flying in the, the Grumman Widgeon. And so we have people from uh, quite a ways coming over here. Yeah. And, and I, I think if you've been here, or if you come once, you're going to be hooked. So let's talk about the, the seaplane base as well, just to, again, paint that, that setting of this really spectacular splash-in, because it is a unique facility um, in just how it's laid out and how it's so well-suited uh, to an event. Sure. Uh, Tanglefoot Seaplane Base, it's on 15 acres, um, is what encompasses the seaplane base at elevation of 2438 um we have uh, a, a paved ramp coming out of the water which is really nice it is really nice and that was laid in 1991 by dr Lowell and olson fennick and um the hangar is really interesting it's it's wide enough for a grumman mallard but just you know just shy of the wingspan of an albatross and that's intentional <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh that's a story that dr fennick can tell someday when you have him on the podcast yes we're going to have that discussion <laughs> shortly so oh good yeah um but it is the the hangar is situated within a hill and that was intentional as well as they wanted to make sure that they preserved the landscape they didn't cut into the landscape and create something you know that wasn't natural when you're mm-hmm. on the on the water or across the bay and so if you're on the water or across the bay you don't know there's a hangar there that can house you know as many aircraft as as we had and um you know as the years have gone by, the, the ramp has, has seen a number of different repairs, but it still is just as good as the day that it was laid. And, and it has been um, welcoming to so many different aircraft types and, and sizes and, and ages. And there's a nice dock uh, for the straight float airplanes. Oh, yes. Uh, there's on-site camping. That's right. <laughs> uh, which is beautiful. Yes. Uh, and then the hangar. Uh, not only the hangar is unique, but what's in the hangar is unique. <laughs> so it's a beautiful concrete uh, preform uh, hangar that is, oh, what, at least 100 by 100. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's fairly large, uh, and it's very well suited uh, for doing events. Um, 
And you can even use the roof as a helipad, which was done this year. <laughs> Absolutely. That was one of the highlights for me was having a, having a helicopter come and land on the helipad. It's been a while since we've done that. And, you know, the, the roof of the hangar has seen, you know, the, the raised gardens up there and, and a beautiful grape arbor. And it was really nice to see it used the way that it was intended. Intended to use. <laughs> I can't believe the arbor is still there after this weekend. It's amazing. It's a testament to the to the construction of the place. <laughs> so, uh, and in the hangar at the seaplane base, um, which is going to be a, a a subject of a future episode uh, mm-hmm. where we get uh, Dr. Lofenick on the podcast, there are two incredibly historic. Uh, flying boats uh, that are very near and dear to my heart because I am a a flag or a card carrying Grumman fan and uh, type rated pilot. Uh, so there are uh, the the both the oldest surviving Mallard, Grumman Mallard in the hangar and also the youngest surviving Grumman Mallard in the hangar. Yeah, J2 and J57. And uh, neither of them have been exposed to the seawater. Yeah, they're freshwater airplanes, which was really unique for the uh, Grumman Mallard. And again, I can't wait to sit down uh, and have that conversation. And that's going to be a future episode that I can't wait to do that we hopefully will do before I leave here. So, uh, uh, so it is a beautiful setting. Again, you're on this magnificent, beautiful lake in a cove. The cove is kind of unique as well, mm-hmm. uh, because without boat activity, uh, it really uh, limits the amount of waves and makes it very conducive to seaplane flying. And uh, then lastly, there's an airport, a grass strip uh, right at the end of the bay as well, which is literally a walk. You could walk to the, the airport, yeah. so you could come in by land airplanes as well, which as part of this year's event. Absolutely. So let's talk about this year's event. Um, this was the 2023 uh, Tanglefoot Splash In. The weather, uh, I don't know how much you paid for the weather this year. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's our treasurer, so he can... He uh, yeah, can he'll have to divulge that. Uh, I, I'm sure it broke the bank because it was as cool, calm, and clear as it could have been. It was the absolute optimum conditions. Uh, and just a few puffy clouds to make it even more beautiful for photography. Um, so let's talk about some of the airplanes. Uh, man, the diversity of airplanes. Jack, you were marshalling them all in. You were busy all weekend. You were the busiest guy of the whole event because you were responsible and no stress on your part because um, airplanes were parked about as tight as I've ever seen airplanes parked mm-hmm. uh, amongst tents. And uh, a lot of moving airplanes coming into a pretty tight space, especially mm-hmm. as it filled up. So uh, what were some of the airplanes? I've got a whole list here, but let's talk about some of the airplanes that came in. Well, um, I, we mentioned the, the Grumman Widgeon that came in. I certainly had uh, Grumman Mallards there. And we yep. had uh, Addison Pemberton's uh, Grumman Goose. That beautiful was airplane. Beautiful very. restored airplane. That was flown in by his son, Jay Pemberton, and that's always a treat to see that. Yeah. Uh, we had an Italian Marchetti on straight, or on uh, amphib floats, which was uh, a turbine, a turbine engine in it. Which, for people that aren't familiar, is uh, the Italian military converted the Cessna Bird Dog, took the piston engine out, and put an Allison turbine in. And uh, I salivate over that airplane because it checks all the boxes for me. 
It's a warbird. It's a classic airplane, and it's incredibly rare. And those are all the things that I look for to log time in or to own. <laughs> and it's always fun to, to listen to a turbine startup. Oh, too. yeah, yeah. There's no beating the turbine startup. Yeah. Uh, we also had lots of Super Cubs, Cessna 185s. Um, a gaggle of Sea Rays showed up. A lot of those uh, <laughs> yeah. lake amphibians. Uh, at one point in time, I thought it was a lake amphibian. Amphibian fly in because yes. there were so many. <laughs> we had a unique Cessna one ninety five. Yeah, uh, rare airplane. Rare one. airplane. Um, we had uh, a couple of Kodiaks show up. Yeah, yeah. That, that's always nice to see that. We had some beavers. Uh, we had a gooey duck. Uh, but yeah, which is a very unique uh, plane uh, flying from Seattle. And uh, we also had, uh, as earlier mentioned, a Hughes 500 that landed on the, the roof. <laughs> Crashed the party and was, came in. I and talk, I think I was talking to the pilot this morning, and he said he, he blew the skylights off. And I, I said, why, why did that happen? He, and he said, well, they don't screw them down so the birds can get out of the hangar. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a good perspective on that. Um, so we had uh, just... So many aircraft. An there. icon came. Oh, we had icon, an icon. Yes, we had. We icon. stuffed it under the wing of the mallard. <laughs> so, oh, and we had uh, uh, bees there too. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we had the 2011 Grand Champion uh, uh, bee from Air Venture, which has a 500 horsepower Z6 Z06 uh, Corvette engine in it. Yeah, Pete Norman. And a lot of modifications, and hearing yes. that thing depart today yes. uh, was amazing. It looked like a rocket ship on the water. It, it was just so fun to see take off, and Pete does a great job. Yeah, a gull wing, and I have to mention a gull wing uh, CB as well. There's so many modifications, and he has been so meticulous uh, just being in in the same presence as that, of that airplane mm-hmm. it, uh, is a testament to, again, what passion and determination can create in an aircraft. So Steve mentioned that it's a, um, it's an endeavor of uh, parking all these planes yes. uh, <laughs> on this ramp. Uh, and if uh, some of you go on Google Earth, you can look at uh, Delta 28, uh, Tanglefoot Seaplane Base, and you can see uh, just how, how tight we have to park planes to, to put that many up on the tarmac. And and so it's a process of uh, arrival on Friday and uh, parking planes, and then it's a process of uh, our our things that we do on Saturday morning, our safety seminar and um, our safety briefing, and and then we uh, allow people to make their own lunch, and they fly out to a beach on the north end of the lake. So we have to unpack all these planes that are which on provides that. an opportunity for fundraising. Yes, because valet parking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and get, retrieving your airplane is an opportunity for organizations like ours to uh, raise some funds uh, for the person to get out first. <laughs> yes. So we don't guarantee that you have the same spot when you come back after the flyout, um, but uh, we, we managed to get everybody uh, back uh, uh, on the tarmac and and uh, ready for the uh, evening's activities on Saturday night. Um, fortunately, knock on wood, we've availed uh, – um, we've uh, – been able to avoid um, a hangar rash every time we've done this, which is which is really nice. Yeah, but even the, out on the beach. So I want to talk about the <clears throat> splash out because uh, going out to Mosquito Bay uh, was again epic. I, I don't know how to say epic. 
And Amy, you were out there. You didn't get to go because you were working. Yeah. Uh, but a white sandy beach overlooking the mountains on the north end of the lake uh, and wingtip to wingtip as, as far as you could walk in the sand. And you were doing it with baby in tow, uh, getting quite a workout. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe the workout that, that that gave me. I'm still feeling it and I'm coming down from it now. So. <laughs> so we hope to get some of the drone footage from that on YouTube uh, very shortly. And uh, it'll be spectacular, I think, because, uh, again, the variety of the aircraft, the setting, the setting. It is I, such a very special beach. And we can't thank the Homeowners Association and Martin Stacy, who organizes it with us for allowing us to take over their private beach for a day and just enjoy some white sandy it with seaplanes. <laughs> That's right. It really truly feels like a, a proper invasion of seaplanes. <laughs> and there, I, I don't know if that should excite me any, any less, but I'm, I'm so excited about it every year to get up there and to see wingtip to wingtip, all of the amazing aircraft that, that come and enjoy the beach. And of course, Stuart, uh, pushed me uh to uh imbibe in some of the local treats he did (laughs) (laughs) so we were out there and you guys had brought a grill out and grilling sausages and 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 that was good enough and but there were wild huckleberries everywhere which i as a floridian (laughs) don't get to imbibe in very often um and we were encouraged to make huckleberry hot dogs. That's right. And I did not take a bite of a huckleberry hot dog. <laughs> I did. However, you did. And the smile on your face afterwards tells me it must have been something else. <laughs> yeah. And I think Mary, my wife, would have been amazed that I would have done that because, uh, but it was great. I don't know what to say. So uh, it was a beautiful day. Again, it was cool, calm. Uh, the bay, I, I think everyone was worried. The the water was going to churn up a little bit because I think here on the lake in the afternoons, it's kind of known for building up and getting a lot rougher. Uh, and it was actually beautiful. It couldn't have been better. We've done this a number of years now, and by far this has been the best year on Mosquito Bay. And it really, truly was enjoyable for everybody. I think, you know, a number of people went swimming, you know, just jumped yeah. right out of the airplane and went swimming. Um, everybody enjoyed the Huckleberry hot dogs. <laughs> um, the sack lunch that the WSPA provided made sure everybody had something to eat. And then it was a great treat when the helicopter joined us. Yeah, I don't beach. think anyone uh, expected the Hughes 500 to come and land. We'll just say uh, it was 50% seaplane or 50% sea. Air, aircraft because yeah. one strut was in the water and one strut was in the beach yeah. and it um and it and it joined us and yeah. i think that's great yeah um and we had one aircraft that you didn't get to see i don't think because don because it uh or jack because it uh uh didn't i don't think it came to the seaplane base but the beach 18 i did see it steve oh it, okay. it flew by Tanglefoot. <laughs> okay <laughs> So we did get to see it in the air, and then I saw a picture uh, later uh, of it uh, on the dock up there at Mosquito Bay. So that must have been a treat to see that. Yeah, another very rare uh, opportunity to see a multi-engine and a Beach 18, uh, which are very prolific in Canada, or were. uh, But here in the lower 48, that's that's an unusual aircraft to see. So that was an extra special surprise. That was. And, you know, going on how special this was, if... If anybody can just envision this, it required a to flag down a boat 
to ask them to take us for a ride so we could capture the entire span of seaplanes along the beach. We were struggling to do that because we literally could not get wide enough to get all of the aircraft in the photo, which was amazing. amazing. Well, it's going to make for a really great photo and, uh, you know, guess how many seaplanes and can you name them all? You know, kind of a picture online somewhere. So (laughs) that's to come. Who knows? So uh, I don't know if we mentioned, there. Were, I think there were over 30 aircraft in total in attendance. And, and Jack, you got the workout because almost all of them went out uh, to the splash out. They did. Um, and some people um, were parked pretty deep and they would come to me and say, I need to get out. And <laughs> of course, I'd try to say, well, it, it would cost you a little bit of money. There comes that fundraising. Here comes the fundraising. <laughs> did again. I tell you we're a nonprofit? Yes. <laughs> And this is an opportunity. <laughs> Pilots are a patient group, and uh, everyone was pretty respectful of the fact that we had to park uh, planes pretty close to each other. And and uh, it was nice to see all the volunteers that we had to, to move planes around uh, physically by yeah. hand. Um, some of these planes are pretty heavy. You put a, a beaver on. Beaver on amphibs, the gooey is, duck. Is heavy, uh, the gooey duck. The goose. Yes, uh-huh. the, the Widgeon. I mean, these are heavy planes, and uh, it's nice to have all the volunteers we did to help move and, and uh, do, be wing walkers. As long as we don't process. get their chiropractic bill from next week. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is very true. So something like over 130 attendees, I think? Yeah, we... Um, we, if I can just give you a little bit of background on the organization, we do have sign-ups for this event and uh, with the strict purpose of knowing who's coming because mm-hmm. we provide the food all weekend. Which was a, a major task. A major but there were task. multiple meals. There were multiple meals. I mean, we serve dinner on Friday evening. We serve uh, three meals on Saturday and a meal on Sunday morning. And uh, a couple of those meals are catered in the evening. And so we have to know a week in advance as to what our headcount is. Well, at the same time this year, unbeknownst to us until a few weeks prior to this event, uh, RAF, the Recreational Aviation Foundation, was having their 20th anniversary event at the Kavanaugh Bay Airstrip uh, mm-hmm. right next to us. And, of course, they found out about our event. And, wanted and they to, wanted to come, too. They wanted to come, too. <laughs> Which they did, and, and we uh, welcomed them. <laughs> yes, we welcomed them. So... It put a little bit of stress on trying to figure out how many people were coming to the event. So we decided uh, on our number. We gave that to the caterer. And um, the ladies that were doing the catering on site Saturday night came to me and they said, Jack, I think we might run out of food. (laughs) (laughs) And after panicking a little bit and and counting noses that were in line, I figured out we had just enough uh, burgers uh, to go around and hot dogs. So we we made it uh, through. Uh, And the next evening, um, we decided to up our our count of food. We called the caterer and they uh, uh, said, okay, we, we can add another 20 portions to this. And wouldn't you know it? We didn't use all the food the next <laughs> the next night. It was it's a little just, bit smaller just crowd. Way, just the way it happens. Yeah. A little smaller crowd, but uh, by and large, we uh, we've got this down every year how we buy food and provide for this event, and uh, to the volunteer support of uh, companies like our sponsor, Aeroset. Yeah, did, Aeros- did, did a wonderful job and uh, provided T-shirts for the event. Provided T-shirts for the event, and they always have a, a big banner there that announces the event and uh, provide ice to cool all of our beverages for the 
for the weekend, and their staff uh, just does an absolutely wonderful job in helping us with administration throughout the event. So yeah, they yeah they I, had I can't say enough five to seven employees at the event all weekend long. It's yeah. like. and Matt Sigfrinius, the yeah. general manager, running around the whole time, running around all the time and helping us. So. Uh, hey, he, trying to help cook scrambled eggs this morning. Yes. I think Amy took over. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, just an amazing event. And I want to talk about, I mean, not only is there the flying, and, and talking about the food, I mean, beyond the meals that were served, you guys, even today, were providing all the fixings for people to brown bag sandwiches to take home or to take on the flight out. Mm-hmm. And you did the same thing yesterday for the yes. splash out, uh, providing... Uh, food for people to make sandwiches and brown bag it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is, again, a, quite honestly, a beautiful touch. It's going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, hats off for that as well. And on top of flying, on top of all the the amazing people that you get to spend time with, you guys built safety seminars in, and we had some great speakers. So let's talk about those. Um, Sure. Our format for the weekend uh, certainly is a Friday arrival. And then on Saturday morning, um, we've consistently had a safety uh, seminar and a safety briefing. And this year we had uh, Chris Popoff from the uh, FISDO in Spokane, uh, the FAA uh, safety team there. He spoke. Um, We also had uh, Kevin Heiss, uh, who spoke to us last year as well about river flying, and a very unique individual, 28-year career pilot in the Navy, just a tremendous amount of experience and a very Mm -hmm. accomplished flight instructor in the area. Oh, and he brought an X-Cub in. We forgot to mention an X-Cub. That's right. (laughs) That's a rare sight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful cub. Um, And so Kevin spoke uh, this year, too. uh, about seaplane uh, survival, um, a cr- crash, uh, crashing in a seaplane, um, mm-hmm. and that that was interesting and, and informative to us. And we also had Mike Kincaid, who's yeah. been a, a very consistent author in in uh, the seaplane magazine that you published, Steve. And yeah, field director and field director, uh, amazing career uh, flying for Alaska Highway Patrol. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of stories. Worked on movies. He's done all kinds of stuff. Amazing guy. So it, it's nice to have uh, safety be a, a, a consistent part of our program here at, mm-hmm. at Tanglefoot. And then uh, we also do a, a safety briefing and publish a safety briefing card that shows you the route around Priest Lake, reporting points, direction of travel, frequencies, lake elevation, uh, just so people know who are not familiar with the lake, how to fly around the lake and how to land at the, the beach up north because it can get a little confusing. And so, sometimes the winds change from where you take off at the south end of the lake to where you land at the north end of the lake. So this year, as uh, we have in previous years, we have an air boss on the, on the beach too that's helping the planes uh, get in. So, yeah. So, you know, I think uh, lake flying and seaplanes and operating in this environment, let's talk about that because I, I advocate uh, the same thing that you guys advocate. And I think it's a good policy for us to talk about to ensure we have safe operations because we have had midairs on the lakes up here. Um, always keep the, the shoreline on your right shoulder uh, if you're flying around the lake. Yeah, always keep the shoreline on your right shoulder. Um, so we really uh, stress the direction of travel uh, in this lake in particular because it's it's not very narrow, but it is narrow in, in places. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, mountains on either side, as you said earlier, Steve. And we also stress uh, reporting. 
too, mm-hmm. to make sure that people know where you're at. A lot of talking on the radio. A lot yeah. of talking on the radio. And uh, being the air boss back at uh, the seaplane base, I was hearing people talking, which uh, encouraged me that people were paying attention in our, in our seminar and uh, our safety briefing. Yeah, you guys conduct a mandatory safety briefing for anyone going out for the splash out on top of the safety seminars that were done. Again, uh, doing everything we can. And uh, I, I, you know, one thing we failed to mention, and I don't want to get kind of off track, but there's also several seaplane friendly resorts on the lake here with white sandy beaches, and they have restaurants and accommodations as well. So, uh, again, it's just another aspect. Uh, but that adds another element because you can have a pilot coming out of one of those uh, resorts if you're going off uh, enjoying the lake yourself. You need to be aware that. Uh, there are other seaplane pilots likely out there enjoying this lake, uh, coming off of different locations. Sure, and there's two airports here, uh, two land airports. There's one on the other side of the lake, on the west side of the lake uh, at Nordman, and there's also the Cavanaugh Bay Airstrip. Right, right here, here at the right, seaplane right base. Right next to the seaplane base. Yeah. And, of course, I don't know how many RAF planes were at Cavanaugh I understand Bay. 40. 40. Uh, yeah. So in addition to the seaplane traffic in the air, we had uh, folks from the... Another 40 airplanes flying around and coming down the chute. Yes, there was a lot of air traffic that day. Safely done. Uh, Credit to both groups of pilots. Yes. And uh, to let you know, just again, how how small this region is and uh, how remote it is, Uh, I was about 40 minutes away this morning stopping to get ice for the, the drink cooler and I ran into one of the RAF pilots in the gas station. And it was just this little mom-and-pop gas station at 7 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, that kind of shows you, that uh, kind of gives you a feel for that. So let's talk about some of the keynote speakers. Our, our good friend Don Goodman, who's a WSPA uh, board member, uh, gave a fabulous uh, presentation on, on flying. Uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? I've had the pleasure of being on the board of... Uh Washington Seaplane Pilots Association with Don for a number of years now, and and uh, he's such a humble guy. You would never know uh, about <laughs> all the Don's, things he's done. <laughs> all the things Don has done in life. I mean, I I didn't know until I was with uh, he and uh, his friend the other night who uh, flew in for the RAF event that he's climbed Denali twice, twice, not, not once, once, but twice. Twice, and I know that from previous conversations, he's been at, on Everest few times at high camps and so he's a really unique person and you would never know it he's and just so unassuming you'd never know it and you know he flies um he's been to the midnight sun fly-in in the yukon a couple of times he just recently got back from flying in the backcountry in alaska to the cabins uh yeah he went to our the alaska cabins alaska uh, the cabins, u.s forest service uh, cabins he and his wife natalie were down in the caribbean earlier this year flying around and so Don's unique. He was also Washington's pilot of the year uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, one day he decided that he was going to fly to all 39 counties in a straight float plane. Straight floats. Straight floats <laughs> in one day, one 14-hour day. All 39 counties in Washington State. In Washington State in one day. In one day. So I'm not sure anyone's going to replicate that uh, anytime soon. And it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare with fuel and, and uh, finding out what uh, bodies of water you can land in in each county mm-hmm. to make this work. And Don gave it just a thrilling um, speech on Friday night. Uh, he was our entertainment for the evening talking about this. And, and to uh, kind of stress the magnitude of this, there were only... 
two locations that offered fuel on water. So all the other fuel stops were out of jerry cans that they were carrying with them. Yeah, yeah, that that's right, Steve. It's it's very hard in Washington State <laughs> to find fuel on the water. And I think uh, at the end, uh, when they were trying to fly home to their home base in, in Bellingham, uh, they stopped at Kenmore, and Kenmore just happened to be open that evening. Mm-hmm. And on, on I think Washington. Moses Lake and Kenmore were the only two stops that, that had Avgas on water. Yes, that that's true. That's and true. the rest, and, and they literally, it was a 16-hour day. They started at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I think they did almost 12 hours of flying, over 11 hours of, of tack time and 16 hours of elapsed time. And I think they made it with like 15 minutes of light left. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing journey. And, and I'm, I'm humbled and, and quite honestly jealous that they did it and I couldn't do it. But the Super Cub would not be able to do that if they did that in a 182. I have to admit, though, I was talking to the Gooey Duck crew today and they're like, you know, we could do that without a fuel stop. <laughs> <laughs> So just leave it to the gooey duck crowd to kind of just add that, you know, that hum- that humility because we we're like, no one will ever be able to do this again. And of course, yeah. the gooey duck, the, you know, like, yeah, we we have the range to do that without any fuel. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the speed to do it a lot faster. So it was a, a great presentation. And again, uh, uh, as Amy pointed out to me earlier, and uh, Don, uh, we actually did a podcast on this. It was season three, episode five. Uh, where um, we had a discussion with Don about doing the the, uh, the adventures. So if you want to hear more about what it takes to fly 39 counties of Washington State in one day on straight floats, uh, tune into episode or season three, episode five, and uh, you can get a little bit of what we enjoyed on Friday night in the presentation. Yes, and then we had Tom Hamilton last night. Tom Hamilton. Uh... <laughs> To those of you who do not know Tom Hamilton, he's the uh, owner of Aeroset, uh, uh, probably the the finest uh, float uh, design, uh, composite float design you can you can have, and uh, they uh, uh, have done a wonderful job in the aviation community. and And uh, many of us didn't really have an idea of how involved Tom has been and what his contribution has been to aviation and in, in, in the world. It's staggering. It's just, it is absolutely staggering, Steve. Um, he's designed airplanes. The Glass Air, yes. the Glass Star, the Kodiak, yes. and others that uh, we may or may not know about and one that's yet to be released. And and even his military applications yeah. that, that he's been involved Cruise in. Cruise missiles, to all yeah. kinds of stuff. It's just astounding. So he uh, regaled us with his knowledge and uh, his background uh, for uh, quite some time on Saturday night, he was our featured speaker, and uh, it, w- it was uh, very enjoyable and very informative, and uh, just a, a heartwarming uh, uh, a discussion at the end about his contributions to uh, uh, some of the uh, third world countries that he's been involved in with his uh, Missionary Aviation Foundation, and uh, so it was it was really nice that uh, both he and his wife Linda were there. Yeah. Um, truly a historic uh, piece of our community with what he has done, what he's in, been involved in. And uh, I've enjoyed a great relationship with him for almost 20 years now. And I am so humbled every time you get to share your, his time because he is so intelligent. But on top of it, he's also 
uh, first and foremost, he's about giving back and having positive impact. And the Kodiak was literally created with the the intent of doing missionary missions in every sixth or seventh aircraft on, under Tom's original uh, formula was going to be donated uh, to missionary organizations. And I think they have over 32 Kodiaks flying now doing some kind of uh, outreach like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just tremendous. And I can tell you from, uh, you know, personal conversations with him at the core of everything he does is, is giving back and having a positive impact on people, which is uh, we need more people like that in the world. We, we, we do. Um, it was just a, a great discussion. And uh, I think it's, it's a hallmark of most speakers to hold people's attention for a, a long period of time. And, and Tom did it uh, in spades. He, he did, he did a great job. And, and of course we so enjoyed uh, their sponsorship uh, every year at this event. Uh, they really give of themselves. So we, we can't thank Tom and his crew enough. Yeah. Great. So what, uh, I will start with, with you, Jack. What are your favorite memories of this year's event? Well, it's always fun to see planes. <laughs> a lot of seaplanes. A lot of seaplanes. Cool airplanes. And it's always fun to see uh, um, people interact with each other. Um, this is a, a great collection of, of human beings that come together. And, of course, you have aviation in common. But uh, listening to conversations, it wasn't just all about aviation. There was lots of other conversation going on. And it's just really nice to see a group interact with each other that way. Um, you could tell there's a lot of trust in the crowd. Uh, you could tell there was a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and uh, admittedly, uh, these people, most of them are pretty accomplished. I mean, they wouldn't be where they're at with their seaplanes uh, or airplanes unless they had uh, put some effort into it. And uh, and so it, it's, it's nice to see people come together uh, for a weekend and really enjoy themselves and a lot of smiles on people's faces forget everything else going on in the world and which forget is everything else that's going on in the world and uh you know it's a step away from what's going on with politics and everything else uh, that's happening in today's world and it, it's just heartwarming for me to see that yeah amy what about you what were your favorite memories of the weekend well, kind of on the same note as Jack, I'm a people person and I love people, but you know, it's so nice to welcome people back to the seaplane base year after year. Those have been, who have been there before are now regulars. They know where to find the towels, the supplies, the, to restock, you know, some of the, the supplies that we need for the dinners and we just say this is what we need, and they take it upon themselves to do that. So that's really neat to see that they've become a part of our community and that they feel comfortable enough coming in and, and taking on tasks with minimal instruction. Mm-hmm. And they just they excel at it. Um, the other thing is is welcoming people who've never been there before. <laughs> hmm. Jack didn't always get this excitement because he was so busy marshalling aircraft yeah. this weekend. But they would pop out of the plane and I would go to meet them. And I tried to greet everybody who arrived, tried to make sure that they, if they had any questions that I could answer those questions. And if they needed anything immediately that I could get on the golf cart and go and get that. Um, over the weekend, it was astounding to me how many people had never been to Tanglefoot before and had mm-hmm. never been including to Priest myself. Lake. Been to Priest you. Lake, I haven't been to Tanglefoot. Uh, so. Speaking of people who came a long way to get to the <laughs> event. 
came a couple of miles. A couple of thousand miles. (laughs) Um, But it was a real pleasure to welcome newcomers, those who had no idea that we existed, who had no idea that the seaplane base is so involved and that so many people know about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we make it a habit as a board to invite individuals who aren't part of our organization. Which is important. Because we're very good at preaching to our own choir. Yes. But if we're going to keep this as a, a healthy um, community and if we're going to maintain the, the population in the community that we need to, to sustain the water flying community, uh, we have to get out of our own echo chamber and we have to invite new people in. That's You're a very important, right. yeah, very important component of it. Yeah. So on that list, there were, you know, 50 plus individuals who we thought, you know, from multiple different states around us. And uh, most of them have, you know, some interest in aviation and are really heavily involved, you know, themselves in aviation. But it's really important to us to invite those individuals in to to collaborate with us and understand what it is that we're doing and contribute to our mission. And they do that Um with the RAF being next door at the airstrip, that mm-hmm. presented a really unique opportunity. Yeah. And there was a... To cross-pollinate. <laughs> absolutely. The curiosity of some of their members coming over. They've flown wheels for 50 years and had never considered, or I would say most of them considered a seaplane rating at some point in their life, but never had been exposed enough to, to really entertain that thought. And I had numerous conversations with individuals who were in that boat where, you know, they were crop dusters as, you know, career crop dusters. And now they have this new itch that they want to scratch, which is really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of two individuals who were, who, who stood out to me, there was a, a gentleman named Michael Gaines who's on the, he, he lives on the lake and he's just getting his seaplane pilot or he's, he's just getting his private pilot license now and he, uh, you know, heard about the event and, and decided to drive over. And he spent the whole weekend, he said, put me to work. I want to volunteer. Please let me help out. I want to learn as much as I can. I want to meet people who are excited about this. And so that was really fun to have him there. He really stood out. In fact, he left when we left. He yeah. left just minutes before we left, um, which was really... It was like one of the last men standing. That's you know, right. <laughs> and and he didn't even fly in. He was just, he was there driving, but he was he was such a big part of the, of the weekend. And I don't think most of our membership or guests would understand what this event was for him. Um, and a smile on his face the entire time. Mm-hmm. The second person who stood out to me, I have no idea what his last name is, but his, he's a young man named Zach. He's a pilot from Boise. He flew into the Kavanaugh Bay airstrip unknowing that the RAF was going to be there. And um, he saw a bunch of seaplanes across the bay when he was going to dinner at Kavanaugh's resort. And he thought, I've got to go. I've got to go see what this is. And it was during, um, during one of the presentations, I think Friday night. Yeah. Friday night. I had to sneak away to, to attend to my daughter and, and get a couple of things for her. And I got into the car and I started driving down the path and he was running away from the seaplane base and he had snuck in during the presentation to see and just to look at the airplanes. <laughs> and so I offered him a ride and I, he said, oh, sure, I'll get I'm in. Busted. It's a really- <laughs> it was great. He thought he was in such trouble running away <laughs> and it was no trouble at all. We talked, we ended up talking for 15 minutes in the car as I brought him back to the airplane, yeah. uh, uh, to the airstrip. And, you know, let him know what we were about. And, and I welcomed him back for the next night. And I don't think he came. 
but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had to get back to Boise. But he was really impressed with what what we had we, what we had done there, and it was really it was a, a highlight of my weekend. I think for the three of us, um, and I think this would be um, uh, echoed by everyone within the WSPA board and all the organizers and the Finnick family as. Um, the desire here is to create a positive impact on people's lives and create memories. And I think that that was achieved, uh, in spades this weekend. Everyone had a smile, including me, my cheeks are hurting and I'm still smiling and I'm so happy. Uh, I can't imagine, uh, having made the decision not to come. And then again, the, the fact that memories were made that will last a lifetime and, and to be able in an environment where there is so much negativity in, in the country and we're so divided and everything else to have a, th- a place where all of that just disappears and you just create happy moments and memories that, that people will cherish. And, and they're so unique. It's a shame. I, I always, you know, kind of philosophize about the fact that I don't understand why so few people engage and become seaplane pilots because the quality of life and the things that we get to experience are so rewarding. And yet it's so limited to a very small nano community of people that, that have gone the extra mile to do this. And, and the rewards are just amazing. I think, again, that would be a, a view that was shared by all of us, uh, that it's, it, it's so rewarding. Uh, so some of my favorite memories, number one, law enforcement was very friendly. They came and were taking photos with the with the airplanes. Uh, we like to see that as an advocacy organization. So uh, I was very impressed with the local law enforcement here on the lake. So thank you very much if you hear this. The Bonner County Sheriff's Department yeah. is an extremely valuable resource to us because you know when you when you share a lake, you share this body of water with people who are are unfamiliar with what our operations involve. And sometimes we make a little bit of noise and sometimes they don't always love it. And so when the water sheriffs are involved in what we're doing, they can then help promote and, and encourage people to explore it and yeah. rather than becoming upset about it or <clears throat> I'm sorry, oh, um, rather than, rather than kind of shutting our community out, they're encouraging them to come over and have a conversation take a look at some of the seaplanes that are in the hangar, um, ask questions about how we do what we do and how we do it safely. And um, to us, that's, you know, that's the best collaboration that we could have with law enforcement. Yeah, and there's a couple of seaplanes that are based owner-operators on the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in addition to the seaplane base and uh, to Tanglefoot. But Tanglefoot really isn't, I don't think, utilized on, uh, every, on a daily basis. Uh, and what impressed me is the only restaurant in the cove has seaplanes on their shirts of their staff. Uh, everyone was, I, I walked over there and, and, and had a, I just, you know, I always have to kind of feel, I want to hear, uh, be kind of the fly on the wall and hear what people are saying as seaplanes are flying over. So I went over there and just listened to people and listened to the staff. They have seaplanes on their menu. They have a, a beaver uh dish uh named a beaver dish for for beaver seaplane and again that makes me so happy from an advocacy standpoint that it's being embraced by the local community yeah and that wasn't even discussed with them they did that (laughs) and when we showed up for for dinner after the new owners took over 
We were so pleased. So I went home with a couple of shirts <laughs> oh, of good. theirs. Good. Um, so thank you for uh, supporting them. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to reward that kind of behavior and yes. that kind of support. So yes. Uh, and I think the memories are number one, incredible airplanes, uh, and then the connection with the the pilots and the people and the storytelling that we do. And we're far from done because we have a couple more podcasts to record while we're here. Um, and again, the storytelling and the connections and the friendships. Uh, that last a lifetime through this community. And again, I think that's another side benefit of being a seaplane pilot is you develop a really unique set of friends um, that share passion at a level that is uncommon in today's world. So I'd like to thank you. Did we fail to to discuss anything, Jack? (laughs) We've really covered a lot of ground. I don't think so, Steve. You've covered it all. (laughs) And we so appreciate uh, you giving us the opportunity to speak about our event here. We're, We're... Obviously, we're humble, but we're quite proud of what we've been able to accomplish over the the past number of years that we've been doing this. And uh, we pride ourselves on putting on a quality event where people go home uh, with a big smile on their face. Yeah, as someone who attends a couple of events, uh, (laughs) a a couple meaning a lot and has for a long time, I can tell you this is one of the finest events I've ever seen. And uh, it will be be on my must must do list uh for future dates i hope that we accommodate my schedule around air venture and stuff so i can attend again if i can be selfish yes yes we would so appreciate that and we'd we'd really love that you know it's been a long time coming i can't believe it's 2023 and you're here you're yes. finally here and it's it's taken a lot of uh coaxing and and oh, you know enticing been, to get you here uh, what was i thinking oh Where, but we what? understand you're such a i was just at guy. that little event called air venture that's instead right of that's right uh, so i'd like to thank again the the staff of and the board of wspa uh all the volunteers uh, the fennec family for making all of this uh available uh and everyone that attended and took time out of their lives to come share this with us uh i would encourage people to look it up on the washington seaplane pilots association website for next year uh so they can come and enjoy a little piece of Idaho's crown jewel with us. And uh, I will be here as well. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to this discussion. I'm kind of in awe, and uh, I think we're all tired, but all very happy. And um, we invite you to join us at Tanglefoot next year in the crown jewel of Idaho, in northern Idaho, up on uh, uh, Priest Lake. And uh, hope you've enjoyed sharing a little bit of this uh, experience with us. So until next time, fly safe, fly often, my friends, and tune in soon. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive water flying the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. 
So look us up online at seaplanes.org. Join our community and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying. 